welcome to In Her Nature. I'm your host, Caroline. I'm so glad you're here. This is the podcast and community where you can learn from others' experiences to make your next adventure more approachable. I think new experiences make us better people, so come along for the ride as we learn about something new this week. Um, I'm really excited. This is our second episode. If you haven't listened to episode one about our introduction to climbing, please do so. It's a great listen with our friend Emma. She gives a bunch of great tips, breaks down some lingo of climbing. It's just a great podcast. That being said, we have one more episode coming out in our introductory three pack. So when I want launch the podcast, I wanted to launch three episodes just in case one of them wasn't hitting your interest. One of the three hopefully will. And then we will hopefully come out with episodes every other week. We may get a bonus episode here and there if I'm feeling spicy, but I am a dental student. So I'm in my second year right now, if I haven't said that already. So I, this is definitely like my passion project, my five to nine, not my nine to five. So just have a little grace with me on all of that good stuff. But if you're not following us on social media, you can find us on Instagram at InHerNaturePod and on TikTok at InHerNature. I did just want to give a quick shout out in the beginning if some people didn't get all the way through the episode last week. Our wonderful intro music and outro and transition music was done by Tommy Zalewski. He is a member of the Porch Flowers Band. They're out of Madison, Wisconsin, but you should definitely go follow them on Instagram. They're at the Porch Flowers. And if you're in the Midwest area, they have some really cool live music gigs, especially in Madison. That being said, um, another shout out I wanted to give to the In Her Nature community is Riley Johnson for doing all of our design work. So everything you've seen so far has been made by Riley. She's a graphic designer out of Honolulu, Hawaii, one of my really close friends. And I'm so hyped that we got her to to do our design work. So definitely go follow her. Her design Instagram is at rej.design. Definitely give her a follow. So yeah, those are kind of our In Her Nature shout outs this episode um future episodes i'll give a couple quick things that might be making my week a little bit better some things that i want to talk about that are relevant to our community but just as a disclaimer before we jump into it this podcast is not meant to give you concrete tangible this is exactly how you do this thing it's more so in a little bit higher scheme of thinking like this is how i approach something this is how i think about something we don't want to claim to be experts when we're not We are just trying to give and share advice with other people who are looking for it. So hopefully we will have some professionals on later, but kind of just as a safety note, um, take everything that we say with a grain of salt. One cool thing is like, for example, our climbing episode, um, a lot of these episodes are going to be foundational, especially the early ones, just so we have kind of like a catalog of things to refer back to when we start building up on these episodes. But say you have a friend that's joining you on a climbing trip or something and they're not super keen or not super aware of climbing and kind of the lingo and stuff, you absolutely can show them the ropes. But also you can send them our podcast and have them listen and be like, hey, this might be a really good resource for you just to listen to on your week. Um, week leading up to the trip or something if you have any questions like of course hit me up like I'm so excited just as like a resource for you too when showing people these adventures that's something I've always kind of struggled with is like how do I incorporate my new friend that's at a different skill level into these things that I love so much so yeah a lot of this is supposed to be inclusive and foundational and helpful but hopefully we will progress to a level and pepper some fun things in later on um, that might kind of suit everyone in their experiences and their adventures, and hopefully everyone can learn something new from each episode. That's what I'm super passionate about. So enough of me talking. Today we have my really great friend Maddie on today. She was a ski instructor at Breckenridge. She really specialized with kids, but definitely has some adult experience as well. 
And she worked a lot with students that were never ever skiers. So have never skied before in their life or maybe have very little um, kind of skill set in skiing. And so she breaks down the anatomy of the ski, some lingo, and just some overall great tips on kind of making that first experience a little bit more enjoyable. Now, if you're saying, Caroline, I am very advanced in skiing and I don't feel like this episode is for me, I would challenge you to say this is a great episode for you because like I said earlier, you can send this to a friend or if you're on a ski trip or something and you have a friend that has never really experienced skiing, like you have, like maybe you've been skiing since you were a little kid and you don't really remember what it's like to be bad at skiing, this might be a good reminder for you and kind of a reset on how to help those people in your group that are new to skiing just be more inclusive and understand the perspective of that. So it's not a perfect episode by any means, but hopefully it sheds some light on that. Um, And the last thing I wanted to say is the reason that we have a skiing episode in the middle of the springtime is because a lot of ski equipment and ski passes and everything are on sale right now. So it's a little bit early to plan for the upcoming season, but if you are looking to get a good deal or money might be kind of like a barrier to entry for you in these sports, which is super fair, um, this is a really good time to start thinking like, am I interested in skiing in the upcoming season and what do I have to do to prep for that? So I know Icon Pass, which is one of the passes you can get, is I think the lowest price it is currently at and will be for the rest of the year. Epic, I'm sure, is similar. Or even like a local um, hill, if they're selling a season pass, like investigate it now and see if you can get a good deal on it. If you buy now, you don't have as much pressure to use it as much either to like quote unquote pay it back or make it worth it financially. And the other thing is gear, um, a lot of times they're on sale right around in the springtime, but also in kind of early fall, the shoulder seasons, they're really trying to get rid of the stock they have to prep for new stuff. So just as a little like fun tip, why are we doing a skiing episode in like early spring? It's because it's a great time to start thinking about your upcoming season, especially if you're new to the sport. Um, yeah, so I'm super excited to introduce Maddie. Like I said, she's a Breckenridge ski instructor and I hope you guys enjoy. I loved talking to her. Adults like can benefit from the same things as the kids do. Like I think a lot of times people, when they sign up for an adult lesson, they're like, I'm just going to like, we're just going up the hill, right? Like, cause they think they're older. They can kind of just like get thrown in more. Right. Um, on it, that is very much like not true. Like adults need to start in the same place that kids start. Like, like just because you're older doesn't mean like you're going to be okay to go up on the mountain mm-hmm. before starting small. I think like the most important thing for people of all ages is to start small, like don't let your friend convince you to just go up the chairlift. Um, like you need to get used to your skis, understand how they work, understand how to get them on and off, um, mm-hmm. know the different parts before you even like do anything. Like that yeah. is super important because then when your friend is teaching you or your instructor is teaching you and they're using language that refers to the ski and you don't know what they're talking about, that gets stressful. Okay, so you just like hit a bunch of points that I think are really important. And I do kind of want to get into some of the language and like some of those things that aren't the most straightforward right away. And I know it's hard because we don't have a ski like in front of us, obviously, but could you kind of talk through some of that language, maybe of like the gear itself that is like not the most straightforward and like would be helpful to know like going into a scenario like that? Yeah, 
So a little like anecdote, my first lesson that I taught, um, I was teaching never ever. So they, they've never skied before a group mm-hmm. of like six kids. And I was teaching them how to pizza, which is like make a triangle with your ski to stop. And mm-hmm. I hadn't gone over like the parts of the ski before. And I was just telling them like, kind of like make your triangle, like whatever. And they were doing that, but they weren't stopping. Like they were able to make that movement with their skis, but they weren't stopping. And I was like, well, what the heck? Like <laughs> they're yeah. doing it, but it's not working. And then I quickly realized, like, I never told them. So you have your ski and there's the bottom of it and it's very smooth and slippery. And that's like mm-hmm. what allows your ski to slide on the snow. And then you have your edges, which are very sharp and they grab the snow. So the bottom is like, this is how we said it to kids. The bottom is like a tongue. It's like smooth and slippery. <laughs> and then the edges are like teeth. They're like what bite the snow. And I know Caroline's Wait, I love dentistry. That. <laughs> yeah, I'm like a low-key dental nerd. So that is like <laughs> the cutest thing I've ever heard. I love it. So I had totally like not explained the edges and to stop, you don't just make a triangle. You have to make the triangle with your skis, but you also have to tilt your skis. So the edges make contact with the snow and stop you. Right. And I had not told them that. And they were like making the triangle. They were doing what I had asked them, but they were not stopping. So it's super important just to like break down the parts of the ski because otherwise like they're not going to be able to do some things. Right. And I don't think like I ever really truly learned some of that stuff. I mean, you learn it just off of like doing it enough. You start to notice like what movements do what and what part of your ski, like what the anatomy of the ski has to do with that. But I never like formally learned that. And I think honestly, that would really help to know because like I had no clue how to take care of my skis like later in life because Mm -hmm. I didn't know like what parts of it did. So, okay, we went over the base, which is that, like, the slippery part, the edges. Could you go over, like, other parts that you thought were helpful in, like, that setting, too? Yeah, so it's also really funny. Um, So to put your ski on, you have to put it into the binding and then Mm -hmm. step down and it clicks in. And kids, like, struggle so much with the idea of, like, pointing your toe into the front part of the binding Mm -hmm. And then, like, stepping down, they'll just, like, step on the ski and, like, think it'll, like, (laughs) go on. Yeah. So it's kind of funny. That's also really important when you're, like, before you, when you start the lesson and you're going over all the stuff, like, I also go on, go over how to put on your ski and take it off. So um, I broke it down. The front part of the binding was the shark's mouth. (laughs) And you would put your toe into the shark's mouth. And then the back of the ski was your shark's tail. So to get your ski on, like you need your shark's tail needs to like be put away. So push, make sure your shark tails push down because otherwise your ski won't go on. Mm-hmm. Then you'll point your toe into the shark's mouth, push down your heel and your shark fin will pop up. Mm-hmm. And that's how you know you're like good to go. So and Maddie, just a like sorry to interrupt you, but just no, as a good. visual, like if someone has never seen like a ski at rest and a ski in action. So there's literally so the binding is like the metal part on top of the ski that your boot goes into, which is obviously you run over that, but there's a portion in the back of the binding that will like physically flip up and down depending if the binding is active or if it's not active. So the shark tail is like such a good visual because it's literally like, is that back part up? Then you're good to go. If it's down, then it's at rest. So like, I remember as like a little, I remember I was skiing with you And the bottom of my boots had a bunch of snow on them. I'd fallen. It was like a really heavy powder day, which like I'm still learning how to ski powder. But 
I remember my bottom of my boot was jammed full of powder and I fell and I was trying to put my ski on like on the hill, which is really difficult sometimes. And I could not get my shark fin up. Like, like I would put my toe in, jam my heel down and it would just like bounce me back up. And I'd be like, why is this thing not working? This is so dumb. And then I like flipped my boot over and there's like a ton of snow on the bottom. So not to like get off course, but I no, think that's yeah. funny because <laughs> even as someone who's like kind of, I'm rather comfortable skiing, like I just didn't know why it wasn't working. And it's because like that fin wasn't up the, the whole, like I try to ski and I just like come right out of my binding. So kind of a dumb move, but also like that will oh, come yeah, back it's like around just, later. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you just don't know and like, it is always funny with like the snow on the boots because when kids start and adults, when you're in a formal lesson, you don't start with poles. So they don't like always have the balance to like hold themselves up and like get the snow off their boot. Mm-hmm. So it's always kind of funny. Like they sit down and I'm like using my ski pole to like scrape it off if there's like a bunch of ice on it. Yeah. So I think that's an important point. So like you have three kind of big pieces of gear that like you will either rent or buy for skiing. And this is like snowboarding is similar, but it's definitely not the same thing. But so if you're ski, the ski normally does not come with a binding, correct? Like you would have to buy the binding. It depends. Like sometimes it really depends. Like all of the skis that I have ever bought or my parents got for me, they always had bindings on them. Right. But um, it, it, either way like you'll either have to find you can find it either way yeah true and then so that's kind of one component the boots are another component and then the poles so we've kind of talked about the ski a little bit already um and we'll get into more specifics later but could you talk about like ski boots are so hard to get into for the first time could you could talk a little bit about that and like any tips you have or like like properly tightening the boots and stuff Mm -hmm. like that yeah so ski boots are huge like if they're not comfortable if they're too big they're too small like it's going to affect a lot because your foot plays a huge role in like skiing skills and if your foot is like not comfortable or is like moving around too much like you're going to have a really hard time doing anything in your ski Mm -hmm. so you really want to make sure it fits properly like even if you're going to buy used boots like which is totally fine. I usually buy, I've bought lots of used boots, but I would like go into a ski shop and have them like fit you before Mm -hmm. you buy it because you don't have to buy it. You don't have to buy a brand new pair, but now, you know, like these are professional people that are going to like help you figure out what you need. Um, So like have them fit you. And so you know what size you need and then you can order online or do whatever, find it however you want to. But like Mm -hmm. a fit is huge because when I, I got like new ski boots, I think when I was in eighth grade and my parents bought them for me, like really big with the intention that I would grow into them. Mm -hmm. But I think my feet stopped growing like freshman year of high school. So I, I finally got new boots, like in college, I think my junior year of college. But when I got new boots and I got like professionally fitted, the boots that I had been using from eighth grade to junior year of college were three sizes too big for me. (laughs) <laughs> these three were, yes three sizes oh my god and these were like the boots that I used to like ski race in and like all sort like and they were just like sloshing around like right. I was not secured in there like um I wasn't great at ski racing and I didn't really like it and I honestly think if I would have had different ski boots like it probably would have made a huge difference because when I got these ski boots that I currently have like 
I feel so much more secure. Like I can like turn right. way better. It's just like way better. <laughs> right. Okay. So I love the idea of getting a fit. So you could go to like, I think REI does fittings or like yeah. a local ski shop, um, like gratefully in the Midwest and out West and out East. Those are pretty easy to find like in the neighborhoods, but like other parts of the country might be a little bit harder, but going and just having them fit you that doesn't mean you're like paying for anything per se yeah like yeah and even like when I did get fitted like the size they gave me I was like this is way too small like I can barely get my foot in there right but it is going to be tighter when you start because you'll break them in or you Mm -hmm. can also have them um a ski shop can like break them in for you I don't remember exactly what they do I think something with like heat yeah. And they kind of break it in a little bit for you. So that's another mm-hmm. option. So you don't have to like go through like a couple of weeks or depending right. how much you ski, like a whole season to break them in. Right. Um, but yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about, and this might be like a little too technical, but I do think it's worth at least talking about like, so you were saying your feet are obviously really important for skiing because that's your connection with your ski, which is the connection to the snow. But like, mm-hmm there's also like your shin when you're leaning forward when you're properly skiing like the your boot will flex a little bit so you could you Mm -hmm. just kind of like really briefly explain like why ski boots are so stiff right away or like what the purpose is kind of behind that yeah so when you buy a ski boot too like there are different degrees of flex that you that you can buy just Mm -hmm. like what size your foot is like that's another component when you buy a ski boot um if you're kind of if you're a beginner um, they're going to be less stiff because you're not going to be making super like big tight turns you're not going to like need a stiff boot as much and like right it's kind of nicer your first experience in skiing not to have like a super stiff boot I think I don't mm-hmm. know a ton about like flexibility and stiffness um, but it, it is a big that is like it does matter to look yeah. into that measure and I think the more so is like when you're first starting you're like why is this so hard to get on like why is this Mm -hmm. boot the way it is why does it hurt to walk in like I don't understand why and just knowing that like that stiffness like is a component and is help keeping you safe I mean you don't need like a ski racing stiff boot that's a whole different conversation we don't need to get into that but like I just I feel like when I was younger I had no reason why these were so stiff and like it just pissed me off. So I feel yeah. like I was always the kid with all the boots unbuckled. And even yes. when I was ski racing, like my coaches would like constantly, constantly yell at me for like my boots being unbuckled mm-hmm. on top of them being like three sizes. too big. <laughs> so okay. Buckling is a really good call. I just kind of mm-hmm. learned, I relearned this this season because I was having some foot problems when we were skiing out West. This Remember when our feet were so cold, we had to like yes. take them out of our boots. Anyway, I like re- learned how to tighten my boots because I was like I gotta be doing something wrong can we do you want to talk through briefly about like do you crank the boot all the way down do you loosen it like how do you kind of like work through tightening your boots it depends um how you want it like obviously you don't want to have it super tight when you're buckling or sorry you don't want to have it super loose when you're buckling because your foot will move will move around and you won't be able to control your ski but it'll also a comfort level thing when you're a beginner so um when you start buckling you want them to be tight but you don't necessarily want to be in like a ton of pain if you're a beginner because you just like you don't need that on top of how uncomfortable you probably are on the snow for the first time Mm -hmm. when I buckle my boots I always start with the at your boots there's usually like a, a strap at the top like a cloth 
I don't know what the material is like Velcro yeah, like a strap. Velcro strap yeah mm-hmm. and I always put that on first like Velcro it to like help me get started buckling my boots and then I think I usually do like the top parts top buckles first on my shins and I can't always get them to the tightness I want right away like I'll buckle them a little bit and then I'll buckle the buckles that are on top of my foot until and I keep kind of going back and forth until I get them as tight as I want and I feel secure in my boot Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good call and um I think one important thing to note is like if you're wearing too big of socks and we'll get into like non-hard equipment like soft gear in a little bit but I think this is a good time to talk about socks and how like if you have a thick sock on so you just think like oh it's cold out I'm gonna wear a thick sock and then you crank down those buckles on your ski boot you're actually like preventing blood to getting to your foot which makes it super cold so like and I don't know if that's like the exact mechanism but like the point is yeah I think that's the general idea I think yeah. <laughs> like I don't know if that's exactly <laughs> what happens but the idea is like if you crank down on these buckles because you think you you need to be really secure, you're going to like kind of not have the proper circulation and then your feet are going to be hurting and cold. And so just like adjust like little adjustments and kind of like loosening one buckle if it, I don't know, just it doesn't need to all go top to bottom. And I'm sure there's a correct way to do it that some YouTube video has like told us. But yeah. I do think just like adjusting it and getting it started and kind of working through it is really helpful when you're learning because you're, you're trying to figure out what works for you you know you don't have yes. that baseline yet okay last piece of hard gear that I want to briefly talk about is poles mm-hmm. do you recommend starting with poles and if you do sizing how do you kind of work through that I do not recommend starting with poles and neither does the like professional ski instructor association of the world <laughs> <laughs> which you took their exams through right like you're certified yes like yeah mm-hmm. yep so I had to take like a three-day on snow exam about all this stuff. But besides the point, starting with poles is just like confusing. And you're really, when you start, like your first goals are to like get comfortable on your skis. And then next will be like how to turn and stop. And when you're turning, it's super important that you're turning with your lower body. So like you're not using your arms to like help you turn like when you swing your upper body that's not helping you like you shouldn't be doing that and that'll mess up your turn and when you give people poles they tend to just kind of do all sorts of weird things with them and it usually results (laughs) usually results in some sort of upper body rotation and when you do that like multiple things can happen like one ski could turn faster when your upper body is rotating and then they're crossing over and now you have your skis crossed over like an x and you have no control so long story short they just are more confusing than helpful um it also like teaches you how to be like self-sufficient and balancing on your skis like right you don't really want to depend on your poles for balance that's not something you should be doing your body should be doing that um poles are really like when you get more advanced, they're good for like pole planting and like setting up your turn and going over moguls or going mm-hmm. through moguls and trees and things like that. They're not really like there to help you turn, like learn right. how to turn. Right. Long story short, like you really shouldn't even be using poles until you're starting to like parallel turn. Okay. Which is when your skis are parallel and you're turning not in a triangle 
formation. Right. So I think, okay, that's super helpful. I think like if you learn to ski as a kid, like it's a little bit different as an adult. I think as an adult, it's really important to like develop that balance because you maybe haven't had as long to develop it. So like not using poles may be a disadvantage at first, but like as you start to ski more proficiently, you can start to upgrade. Is that kind of like the overall summary? Yeah, and a lot of times like adults, and I know this from my boyfriend Tanner, who is an adult instructor, and I also would get put on private lessons and because mm-hmm. I was kids, a lot of times it would be like a family lesson. So it would be two parents and their kids or however many parents. Um, and so I would be teaching adults in that sense. And rental shops will just like give adults polls right away. Right, right. So they always come with them. And like Tanner would always like take them away from adults. And they would be like, why are you like taking this away from me? But he's like, trust me, like this will help you. So like they would get kind of like insulted that he would like take their polls away, but it was Mm -hmm. for the best. And one more thing I wanted to go back with polls. So um, even like higher level skiers can like benefit from ditching the poles for like a day. Like Mm -hmm. even so when I was ski instructing five to six days a week, like mostly teaching levels one through five or six, Mm -hmm. um, levels one through four don't use poles. So like the majority of the lessons I was teaching with, I also wasn't using poles because I'm not going to use poles when my students don't use poles. And before I started ski instructing, when I would turn, I would kind of rely on my poles. Like I would drag them behind me to like, just like it's a security blanket kind yeah. of thing. So like I a like, rudder almost. Yes, like a rudder. And after ski instructing for a whole season, like I kind of saw that slowly disappear. Mm-hmm. Because I was just used to like not skiing with my poles and like depending on my body, not my poles to do the work. And it was kind of interesting now that I'm not ski instructing, like when we went out west, when I went out west two times this year, like I was doing that again. <laughs> like I was using my ski poles as a rudder and I was like, what yeah, the heck? like so it's sometimes <laughs> like, hey, everybody like can ditch the poles sometimes and it's helpful. <laughs> I like it. I think that's so true. And I think it's easy to jump to, you want to jump levels. And so you want to cut corners. And I think going back to the fundamentals makes you just a better, better skier, more confident, and you'll have more fun because Mm -hmm. you'll be in more control. Okay. I love this. One thing I really wanted to chat about is we talked a little bit about like confusing lingo and stuff, but you were talking about pizza versus paralleling. And I think Mm -hmm. we can talk about lingo that could be confusing, but I also really want to talk about that level three to the level of four. So like not having parallel skis to transitioning into that. Could you talk through, could you just explain to us like the two different styles and why they're, I don't know, like explain the two styles and like how to kind of progress through to that. Yes. So when you are a level three skier, that means you are going up a chairlift, like you're going down a real hill, a real trail and you're, turning in a triangle formation with your skis so like a pizza or making Mm -hmm. a wedge with your skis and you're able to stop on the mountain and then the next thing that you're going to want to learn to do is how to turn with your skis in parallel formation like two french fries next to each other Mm -hmm. and that's going to like enable you to go on harder terrain because a pizza is a great way to like learn how to like get on green trails but as soon as you want to start hitting like blue runs or maybe black runs like a pizza is not sustainable for the amount of like steepness of a hill 
And I also learned that the hard way with a group of students. So Caroline knows like whenever growing up and stuff, like I nannied a lot and I babysat a lot. And I was always like nannying for boy families strictly only. Like, I don't know why, but it always, and still like I'm in school right now and I'm nannying for two boys, but I'm always just like a boy mom for some reason. (laughs) And that carried through like on instructing they would always give me like the group of all boys and I like don't know why but that's just what I was given and this was like the first week that I was instructing and I didn't know like Breck very well I didn't there weren't a lot of runs open like start of the 21-22 season was like really bare like when I got there and we started training and instructing I think only eight out of like 170 runs were opened yeah so there were very limited low snow low snow year yes very limited terrain options and I have this group of like rambunctious six boys who are all like half of them are friends like I think it's a group of like three and three of friends and they're like let's race like let's go fast not that girls don't like to race and go fast but this particular group was just like really was into that mentality yeah and um they were like can we go on a blue like whatever and I was like you know what sure why not like so I asked my supervisor, I'm like, what's the best like run to try after like the bunny hill? And he says to try freeway, which is like the the train park run. And at the moment it didn't have any jumps on it because it was early in the season, but it is like a steeper hill. And I was like, okay, like my supervisor's telling me to do this. So I'm going to do it. And we're like going down and these boys do not know how to parallel turn. And they're like pizza-ing, like it's steep they're all like really scared (laughs) and like we would stop and we would stop in a line and like we would all run into each other and there was a moment where they had stopped and they all dominoed onto me and I was like backward like facing uphill so like my butt's (laughs) facing downhill backwards totally spread eagle there's like there's kids on top (laughs) of me like they're scared like I have a major groin pull going on and they're like uh, Miss Maddie, like, are you okay? And I'm like, I just need a minute. Like, <laughs> just like really, whatever, hold something. And you guys are like on top of me. And it was, and I was like, why did my supervisor tell me to do this? Like, whatever. He's he was another story, but um. So long story short, again, like, it's very important to learn how to pizza on a green and then also learn how to parallel on a green you don't want to try a new skill on new terrain like always go where you're comfortable um if you're in a lesson like you'll go through some drills that like help you work on foot to foot pressure like putting more pressure on your outside ski having your inside ski when you're turning a little lighter and that allows your skis to kind of swing into a parallel motion or maybe you'll do some like hops during a turn because usually when you hop you kind of land in a parallel formation so you do all sorts of like fun little games and drills on comfortable terrain that will enable you to start parallel turning and once you have mastered parallel turns on a green that is when you should move on to a blue and I quickly learned that the first week instructing those poor boys were (laughs) <laughs> part of my learning experience but they all they made it down and everybody it. was fine yeah we there was like it. most of the boys were like middle school and then there was one they had like a little brother in the group who was like a second grader and we get Uh-oh. done and he just like sees his mom and starts crying 
Yeah, okay, no. so I think this is a good point to make, too. Like, I think you just made a lot of great points. I, I think they're so smart. Like, yes, you want to really master those skills. You want to do one variable at a time, right? Like, you don't want to yes. level up your terrain while also leveling up your technique. I think another really critical point of the story is skiing in groups is really difficult and can really, mm-hmm. like, change how you view risk. I do think that it's a really good point that you brought up is just, like, if you are skiing with people that are a little bit better than you, especially if you're learning as an adult, mm-hmm. like take your space and do not be afraid to like set your boundaries and be like, I am not doing more than this today. Yeah. Like, I think that will make you a happier skier and it will make your group happier in the long run because you're not going to end the day with tears. Cause like, I can yes. think of many days, like many times where I did not I did not hold my own boundaries. I went on stuff I shouldn't have been on, even as like a proficient skier, like stuff that I should not have been on. That I was like, oh my God. I mean, Maddie, I can think of like 10 runs with you specifically, us two being like, yeah, I guess we'll try it. And then being like, what did uh... I get myself into? (laughs) Yeah, right. So I think just like staying firm and like, and being realistic about your skiing abilities and having friends that respect that and want to do it with you, but also about, I don't know. I think that's a really key component as an adult learning that like, yeah, it sucks. Sometimes you're not at that same caliber as your friends, but like, it doesn't mean to say you can't get there. And also like your enjoyment. And if you do is jump just... in, you're going to go backwards. Like you're going to, you know, totally. And like after that day, I was like, that was my first week instructing, like probably my third lesson ever. And mm-hmm. that like really set me up. Like I was very much one of the instructors who was like, would not push boundaries like there were a lot of instructors who wanted to like ski fun things themselves so they would like right bring their kiddos there too like even if they weren't necessarily ready and like everybody when I did that everybody was like fine like it worked out okay like whatever but it's not I'm not about that really like I'd rather start small like make sure they're really comfortable like kids will ask me can we go on harder stuff like please 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 and I'm just like no like you're not you're not ready like you have to be honest like until Mm -hmm. I'm comfortable with like their abilities like they are not trying something harder right and I think another really good point and from a different perspective is if you're not the one learning how to ski and it's been a long time since you were in that beginner phase like maybe you did have the privilege of learning as a kid and now Mm -hmm. you're skiing with a friend that isn't as comfortable like don't push boundaries like respect respect what that friend wants and like I think just trying to be an ally in that process and and not pushing them too much like yes you want to grow but like it's not fun for them if they're stressed out the entire time and you're having a blast like that's not a great day and so just like if you are that friend that's good at skiing don't try to push those friends out of their comfort zone they may that may like ruin their experience forever yeah like I know like when we so when I started at Breck like we went through like a five day training camp kind of thing with like a really seasoned instructor and like Mm -hmm. one of the first things he said to us is like like you will crush some people like like there are people who are going to have a really hard time and not fun time and you might push them too hard and they're never gonna like try again yeah and like he's like I've definitely crushed some people like you gotta like make sure like this is when they're a beginner skier and never ever skier like you are their first experience and like you are responsible for their safety and their like comfort level And like, there's no reason to put them somewhere where they can't be, especially when you're knowledgeable enough to know. Right. Right. I really like that. And I think like the 
conversation we're having right now, yes, it's for people who have never skied before or really like intro. It's also for the friends that are taking that other friend on their trip and like just to be mindful of these things because it's been a long time since yeah. we've been in that mindset too. I think that is a really important distinction. Okay. I love like what we have talked about so far. I think we've talked a little bit about ski lingo and I think it's rather accessible, but can you go over a couple maybe like ski lingo things that might be like helpful when you're starting off? Like, can you explain, I, like, obviously the green is the lowest one, blue is the middle, black diamond is the highest, but are, are there other things you think that are helpful for a new skier in terms of lingo? Um, I think like skier stance is a big thing. Like somebody will just be like, get in your skier stance. And you're like, what? <laughs> um, or like, you're looking really back. Like when I was in, uh, when I started skiing or ski racing, when I was in like middle school, my mm-hmm. coach would always be like, you're really in the back seat. And I was like, I totally. have no idea what that means. And I'm a 12 year old girl and I'm not going to like ask a follow-up question. <laughs> so like, We're not going to circle back to that yeah, boss. No. So like every time I remember this one practice, like I'd go down and he'd be like, you're in the back seat again. I was like, okay. And then I'd go down, you're in the back seat again. I'm like, okay what does that mean like I don't you're my coach like tell me what to do yeah and and now I know that like when you're positioned on top of a ski if you are leaning back so that's what the back what the back seat means mm-hmm. <laughs> which I was like what the hell is a back seat like I don't know what that means <laughs> I thought I was in the middle seat what are we what are we talking yeah. about so like if you were to stand up right now and you like lean back you mm-hmm. have like no control like you're very just like out of sorts but if you hinge at the hips and you bend your knees and you're in your skier stance, similar to any other athletic stance, you're able to move and like respond to bumps and like adjust your stance as you go. If you're way too far back, you're going to get like locked up and out of control. Right. But so like, I think it's really breaking down like a skier stance. If somebody like yells at you, some like, you're looking really forward or you're looking really aft, like you're in the back seat. Like, be like, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, what are you can talking you please about? explain? Yeah. And oh, so right. if you're four, that means you're forward. Mm-hmm. And if you're aft, that means like you're back. You're like leaning backwards too much. Um, so you really want to like be in your skier stance, which means you're like gently bent at the hip or bent at the knees, hinged forward at the hips a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um and what else am I missing? Core? Any and, sort of? Yeah, like you want your core to be engaged. Um, your ankles need to be like flexing. Um, the biggest thing for me, like I'm always messing up, not hinging at the hips. Like that's something I, I do the same thing. To, like check myself with, like I'm usually pretty good at bending my knees. Um, but like hinging my hips, I'll be like, you don't want to like stand up straight when you're skiing. Right. You yeah. want to lean forward by bending your hips right and it feels but, weird to lean for oh sorry go ahead what are you gonna say no you're good I, you're good um I was gonna say it's it's weird to lean forward but that's why that boot has so much flex to it is because it can take it can counteract the weight that like your shin bones are putting against it when you're leaning forward like that has more to do with the knee bend but like that's why your ski is set up the way it is it's a shape ski mm-hmm. so it's a little bit wider at the top a little bit narrow under your feet a little bit wider at the end and so when you're in the stance that's how you get those your ski turns for you when you put them together like or parallel t- with each other it's yeah. like and like you, you're sorry go ahead you're the <laughs> ski like instructor an, explain in to a, me please <laughs> no you're yeah like in an ideal world like you're kind of like equally 
like keeping pressure over the center of your ski, but you're going to go over a bump, you're going to whatever. So you're going to get thrown forward or you're going to get thrown backward and you're going to have mm-hmm. to like adjust your hips, ankles and knees to like bring yourself back. Right. So- I think that's super important. I am very good at sitting in the back seat. Like, I don't know if it's from water skiing or whatever. I just feel like I immediately just like crank it back. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And that, that's another funny thing. So after ski instructing, like I grew up water skiing. I grew up on a lake and my dad like taught me how to water ski. And mm-hmm. um, we get back in June and I'm like going to go water ski. And like, usually I don't have ever since like college, like usually my first time skiing, I get up of the season, mm-hmm. like, cause I'd been doing it for so many years and I like could not get up. Like it yeah. took me like 12 tries and I was like, oh my God, I'm so used to this. I was doing my snow ski stance, not my like water ski stand. So I was yeah. like, leaning forward a bit and like when you water ski that is like not what you should be doing it's actually like like, the exact opposite like it's crazy (laughs) how different it and and water skiing would actually be a sick episode to do later but like it is I almost think when I'm having a hard time visualizing snow skiing I think of water skiing and I flip it like I do the exact opposite yeah and like I I was just so like locked in because I had been do I'd been skiing like dialed six to seven days a week every because I'd work five to six days a week and then we'd usually like ski one day a week for fun and I was just like molded into that stance which was good but then when you go water skiing it's not gonna work out (laughs) yeah that's so funny okay that is super helpful I think the lingo is huge and I think as you progress through skiing levels that stance becomes even more important because that's where all your form comes from is like that having a good Mm -hmm. foundation and I think that's awesome is there any other lingo that you thought was helpful or is that kind of like the big stuff um, I think that's kind of the main. Okay, cool. My main thing. Um, we can briefly talk over because I really want to get to like etiquette and safety and being comfortable and stuff. Mm-hmm. But one thing I do think like is a hard thing to learn right away is like okay, we've talked about hard gear, we've talked about paying for lessons. Can we talk about soft gear? So like, how do you dress in a way that's like going to make you comfortable on the hill? Mm-hmm. And can we talk a little bit about exposure and how to kind of prevent exposure and yes. stuff like that? Definitely. Um, This is something that Breck was obviously like a a vacation destination. So you're going to have people from like warmer climates that come and just like aren't used to like dressing themselves for winter. So like coming from Wisconsin, like if you live in Wisconsin, you probably have a good idea of like how to dress yourself for skiing. But like people who live in Florida or Texas, like maybe have just don't have a good understanding. So Right. You'll get your people who are skiing in jeans and you still like see that. And it's kind of funny, but also like they probably just were like, I can ski in jeans. Like that's fine. Yeah. But I really would recommend like a pair of snow pants. You're just going to be comfortable. Like if you fall, which you will, if you're a beginner and you shouldn't mm-hmm. fall, like that's how you learn. Um, You're going to get wet and then you get wet and you get cold and you don't want your butt to be wet. That's just not right. a good feeling. Oh, like snow pants, huge. Um, Jacket, it kind of depends on the day. Like if it's a warmer day, maybe you're just wearing like an outer shell that's not lined. If it's really cold, like you should have like a base layer, maybe like a fleece and then like your actual like ski jacket. Right. I think the biggest thing that people get wrong is like face stuff. Like totally. Neck warmers, huge. Like your coat's not going to like properly cover your neck or neckies however people say it gaiters um yeah you want something to cover your neck and something to be able to like pull up on your face if you're going down and it's really windy or snowy 
Right. Um, because you can get windburn. Also, if you're teen out west, you're probably going to get more sun exposure. And so, mm -hmm. being able to like cover up your face. Um, another huge thing is sunscreen. Like sunscreen is so important. Like you're going to get really sunburned if you don't wear sunscreen when you're right. skiing out west. Yeah. Um. So always sunscreen. We had like a ton of extra sunscreen in the kids' castle at um, ski school. It was like constantly putting sunscreen on kids <laughs> and myself. It's like a beach vacation. <laughs> Slap on the sunscreen. Yes, it is a vacation ruiner though. If you get sunburned yeah. on the first day, it's a huge bummer. Yeah. Or even eye protection. Like um, yep. you want to be wearing either goggles or sunglasses, depending if it's a warmer day, you could wear sunglasses, but there was even an instructor who like around spring break time. So in March when it's getting really like toasty out on the mountain, he got sun poisoning in his eye. Yeah. which is like super bad like you yep. don't want to do that and like the snow is really reflective and that can be really blinding and bright on your eyes so it's super important to like take care of your head area <laughs> totally. and then lastly of course a helmet yeah okay. yeah yeah I am like so passionate about helmets let's talk about yes what you recommend as a beginner skier for helmets yeah so if you're renting gear they do have rental helmets. My only qualm with rental helmets is a million people use them and drop them and fall in them. And they're probably pretty beat up and like lost some of their structural benefits. So like if you really think you're going to ski more than once and you're able to like buy a new helmet, that's like the one thing that you really don't want to get used. Like use skis, use poles, use boots, fine. But like totally helmets they do lose their quality when you drop them or if you right. fall so it's really important to like and I'm even not bad at this like I had a bad kind of accident last season and I haven't gotten a new helmet and I really should so I need to get on that mm -hmm. um but it's also important like a MIPS helmet it has like an yep. MIP on it those that specific or that specific type of helmet like has gone through it has a different kind of technology that like really protects your brain so like I would recommend right. just getting a MIPS helmet right as a baseline I think that's great advice and I think if you can afford a lift ticket you can afford a helmet um because like that's the cheapest life insurance that you'll ever pay for and I don't know if you've seen the Gwyneth Paltrow. Like, yes, I was going to bring that up. <laughs> yeah, and we can talk about it more at the end because I think it's it's wild. But like accidents happen, obviously. that's It's the nature of the sport. It's a risky thing. But like a helmet is just, I feel so passionately about it because I'm like, you only get one brain and just treat it well. And like, yes. don't be reckless about that. And do not let people convince you that you do not need one. Like it will... Mm -hmm. Wearing a good helmet, there's really not a huge downside in a skiing situation. And it also keeps you warm. Like, yeah, if I was just wearing like a hat, I would not be warm. Like my ears, I terrible. get headaches when my ears get cold and I would be so mm -hmm. unhappy. Yeah. It just keeps you warm. Baseline, like keeps Love you it. warm, keeps you protected. Get a helmet. <laughs> Love it. I want to plug two things or three things, I guess. One thing is the brand Skida or Skida really cool women-owned um, company. They make really good, like, accessory skiing stuff. So, like, the neckies and the gaiters and stuff, like you were saying, Maddie. But they have just, like, really fun feminine pieces, which can be a struggle sometimes when you're all bundled up looking like a 12-year-old boy. Like, very fun. <laughs> Could not love them enough. Pretty reasonably priced, too. You can, like, they always have fun seasonal sales. So that's, like, my plug for if you're looking for a little, like, pop of color. 
the other thing is like getting a really nice pair of socks so like the helmet and socks Mm -hmm. I think are really huge um that will make your life a lot better and you can get away with like a little bit cheaper pair but like a taller sock that goes up to your knee is helpful because it won't roll down in your boot and be like super annoying so that's the whole point of having a tall sock is it's helpful um, also just on the side of socks um, a lot of people will like tuck their pants into their boots with their sock on and they'll be like oh my, my leg hurts <laughs> and that's something like you definitely don't want to be doing if you like tuck your pants in and add like another layer it's just gonna like hurt you and like put weird folds in your boots and then your boots gonna have pressure on it and it's just gonna yeah. be really uncomfortable so the only thing that goes in your boot is one pair of socks, not two, just one. <laughs> yep, totally. No pants in there, just your sock. Yep, I love that. Um, and that's like a little thing that you didn't, you won't think will make a big difference, but like is, it might be a day ruiner if you're on, if you're not careful yeah. about it. Did want to say this, like if you're learning how to ski and you happen to be out west, there is a pretty big difference between like Midwest skiing and out west skiing in terms of just mm-hmm. like the climate and the alpine like nature of where you are so I get like super bad altitude sickness I'm sure we'll do a whole episode on this because I'm very passionate about it but it is really important to like stay up on drinking and eating because that will get ahead of some part of the altitude sickness or just yes. like being outside all day you'll get dehydrated with the sun and whatever so I have like a soft it's called a soft bottle and like you can fill it up put it in your pocket and it will just like collapse throughout the day as you drink the water out of it so that's like easier than bringing a backpack sometimes. I don't know. I don't love wearing a backpack when yeah. I ski because it, it makes me feel weird on the lift. But um, I would recommend that. I don't know if you should eat and drink while you're skiing. It will make you happier. Yes. And, you know, there's no problem with going in for a warm-up break. It's important. Like, get some water in you. Like, when we when I did ski school, like, the kids always got, like, two snack breaks and a lunch break, and we would just, like, pump them full of Gatorade. Like, we always had, we had, like, those big powdered boxes of Gatorade, and we just, like, we'd be like, I'm not thirsty. And I'm like, yeah, you are. Drink some water. Drink some Gatorade. Like, like there's yeah. countless times of kids just, like, throwing up on the snow because they're, like, super dehydrated and, like, yeah. whatever. And it's just, like, you just, and also some altitude sickness, like, it is, it's very hard to deal with. Like, kids that come from like sea level elevation like you're not just gonna adjust in one day like they're tired from the plane ride like their kids kids don't always like drink water the way they should be and adults like it is a hard thing it's not just like oh I'll have a cup of water and you'll be fine you know yeah so give yourself <laughs> grace and it's okay when you're learning to not be out there literally every single minute driving yourself into like a little pit of like dehydration and tiredness because yeah. that's when mistakes happen And that's Mm -hmm. where safety can be a thing. And so that's what I want to get into next is like ski etiquette and safety. So as someone that's like not super comfortable or familiar on the mountain, what are some ski etiquette things that we have to be mindful of? Yeah, so I think like the biggest thing is when you're skiing, the person in front of you has the right of way. Like that person in front of you ideally should be like looking over their shoulder when they're turning and kind of like being aware of their surroundings. But really if you're behind somebody like you need to be watching out for them like you're you shouldn't be like zooming by them you should be giving them space like they can't see you and right if you don't give them ample space like that's how collisions happen so I think it's really just important to remember like if you're behind somebody they can't see you 
they have the right of way like you need to keep a safe distance right that's just like a really big thing <laughs> yeah and the other thing um that i still do this every single time i cross a slope is look uphill so if you mm-hmm. are downhill look over your shoulder like you're changing lanes in a car and just make sure that like the person anyone that behind you is paying attention like a lot of times people don't do what maddie said um so just for your own yes. self just like look uphill make sure you're clear before you turn and then you can go like just kind of defensive yes. skiing yeah, when, almost. whenever you're like taking a turn or like something that you're not like kind of staying in your lane always look over your shoulder like it's that's another thing that you should be doing in addition to the person behind you looking out for you but like that's something you can control that can keep you safe like look over to your shoulder before you do something yeah yeah um yep and if you feel like you're out of control like stay calm and just try to like I don't know do you have any tips like if you do get yourself in a situation where you do feel like you're out of control how do you kind of work through that honestly try to stop like try and to do that if you're like out of control and can't stop like turn uphill because gravity will naturally stop you or literally like try to fall over like I know that sounds scary but like if you're out of control and like you can't turn or do anything like just like try to fall over sideways don't don't fall like just sit on your butt with your skis down the hill because then you'll just keep sliding down but like if you can try to fall sideways onto the hill because that will stop you yeah like into Um, the hill yeah yes into the hill yeah I think that's a really good point and like it happens like when you're learning for the first time you're learning your limits but just like really stay calm and I don't know just like getting out of control is like scary for everyone else around you so just be mindful that like when you say yes to going down something you got to think through like what the what ifs I guess I that's important for every level um Mm -hmm. okay let's get into some like fun questions so like what are some things you think like build confidence with skiing like what what are the things that you're like as an instructor really excite you when you see someone doing this or something yes I would so this is like I don't know if I'm sure other resorts have this but at Breck I thought this was really cool and since this is kind of like a female empower focused podcast Breck had this oh, yes, pro- yes. <laughs> Breck had this program called oh what was it called but it was I don't remember but it was like a girls only kiddo group so like you had a female instructor like leading female skiers down the mountain and like doing cool stuff and doing fun things and sounds like a dream can adults yes. sign up for this yes and oh okay sorry and then so they had um yeah they had an adult version it was called uh it was something like women wine wednesdays or something and it was like a female it was like a a female-led instructor and then it was like a group of women and it was on the same day as those um the kids group too so if you had like if you were a mom and you had a daughter like your daughter could go to her kiddo group and you could go to your women's group and like you would work on skills and these like a lot of times these aren't beginner lessons these are like advanced lessons and like doing exploring the mountain and like exploring new terrain and like harder skills and then they would like go have a glass of wine when they were all done and like have some good chats so it was really fun yeah yeah and I think the idea of skiing with people that make you a better skier but keep you safe um like the idea of skiing in community is really cool because that's how you get better like that's how I've gotten a lot better is I ski with people that are better than me but still really respect like if a no is a no or like a yes is a hell yes type of deal so just yeah try to find those people that like and it's easier said than done but like there are cool groups like 
that you can kind of look out for to like join um that's super cool though and I I like want my own version of that yeah Maddie and I have skied a lot together Maddie's one of my favorite people to ski with in the world because we do the funniest silliest stuff ever on the mountain so Maddie what do you think was your worst or funniest fall I was skiing with Caroline in Utah at Snowbird and um we were like it was a big powder day and we were going down kind of like a bowl situation and this was back just as a back just as a pause a bowl is like a big run with no trees but it's really high up so it's like above the tree line okay sorry just as a visual no thank you I appreciate um and there's a lot of snow and when there's a lot of snow like it can be sometimes harder to turn your skis because they're getting way down and this was also back when I like hadn't got like a reintroduction to my stance like, honestly, I still may have been confused by what the back seat meant. Yeah, we were backseating that trip, I think. I was really in my back seat. I'm trying to and, remember what this is, Maddie. Oh, my gosh. And I just, like, lost control. And I, like, oh. somersaulted in the snow. And it was it was a really comfortable fall. There was so much snow. I just, like, somersaulted, popped up, had, like, a ton of snow in my back. Yep. But it, I was okay. My skis were... Uh, didn't pop off didn't get buried in the snow but it was just like oh I'm okay that was like would have been really insane if this was on like icy like packed snow but I was okay (laughs) yeah I I do stuff on like heavy snow days that I would never do on ice like I am a scared skier on Mm -hmm. ice because I don't want to like break a wrist or whatever but powder I'll like do whatever like I will try I'm the happiest in the world like on a heavy snow powder day love it yeah and there's Um, always like that moment where your friends are like are you okay yeah 10 seconds good are you good yeah and then everybody's (laughs) laughing and it's fun yeah 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 Yeah, (laughs) totally yeah make sure that's actually a really good point make sure your friends are okay before you laugh because I know that sounds dumb but if you ski with these people all the time you assume everything's fine nothing bad will happen but just yeah make sure everyone's good before you like get too silly Maddie, thank you so much for running through all of this. I feel like we could talk for literally hours and like it's just the tip of the iceberg. Um, yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And like, I, I feel yeah. like I want to do this all over again. Yeah, this was really fun. Thanks for having me. Congrats. You made it to the end of episode two of In Her Nature. If you're not already, please follow us on social media at In Her Nature Pod or on TikTok at In Her Nature. Um, if you have an episode or topic or questions about something that you really want answered or someone you think would be a great guest for the podcast, shoot us an email at inhernaturepod at gmail.com. You can always DM us on Instagram too. Whatever works for you. The other thing I would really appreciate is if you enjoyed this episode or you think it applies to someone in your life, go ahead and give it a share. Go ahead and send it over to them. We would really appreciate that. I think word of mouth is the most authentic way to spread news. And so we would appreciate if you help support us in that way. I just wanted to give another quick thank you to Tommy Zalewski for writing our music and Riley Johnson for doing our graphics. You can find Tommy in the band at The Porch Flowers on Instagram, and you can find Riley on Instagram at rej.design. And that is all, folks. I really appreciate you listening. Again, if you need us, you know where to find us. Thanks so much.